Good morning, everyone. This is our first reading of puts forth, if you will, that um, God shows no uh, partiality to the rich and the powerful of our world, uh, and that's not unduly listened only to those uh, who are impoverished. But um, it goes on to say, but he listens uh, to those who bring their prayers humbly to him. And in fact, it goes further. It says, these are the prayers that actually pierce heaven and reach his altar. So conversely then, um, when we pray with anger in our heart or with demands, this would imply that uh, these do not pierce heaven and he will not listen to those. And so it helps us to adjust ourselves. It's hard because there's times when I pray and I'm angry. And so this is a a piece of the wisdom literature from the Old Testament that reminds me, careful, lest you waste your words. And St. Paul um, tells us he's a, he is a prisoner in Rome. He knows that his execution is coming, and he's writing a letter to his friend. And while strictly not a prayer, it's a letter, uh, you see, uh, I, you look at the prayer of the Pharisee that Jesus puts forth, and you look at Paul, uh, it does seem Paul's being boastful. I have A, B, and C, and D. But uh, so what is the difference? And this is what I'm going to get to in, the, in my homily. What is that difference between what Paul did in writing, what he wrote, and what the Pharisee, uh, Jesus exampled, uh, did? And uh, my friends, um, there are many lessons from the gospel uh, one, it could be about prayer. Uh, could it be about where you're at when you're praying? Uh, the preachers uh, today, uh, I will go and listen to see what some of who I consider to be top preachers and find what they had to say so I may learn. Um, but I think it's about attitude. I think that is the difference when we see uh, the church paired these readings for a reason. So we hear this letter written, and does Paul have arrogance or does he have confidence? It's confidence. Does the Pharisees have arrogance, or is he confident? He's arrogant. Am I right? And so it means demeanor. What is in your heart when you approach? And um, ultimately, the parable, I believe, is about salvation and who gives it. There is no doubt that we do not save ourselves. We do not enter the kingdom or attain heaven's glory by telling ourselves or other how good we are, even if you are that good. A professor told me, better to be a sinner who knows he's a sinner than a saint who knows he's a saint. And it took me years to figure out what really the professor was talking about. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and it's been with me ever since. Even so, I quote him. God alone gives salvation. And God alone is holy and when we walk with him, then we share in that holiness. We cannot work up holiness the way we work up a sweat in the gym. <laughs> Can't do it. I wish we could, because that would make it easy. The self-righteous, in effect, are stating that they are the source of their own salvation. You see, the Pharisee, uh, he went on and on and on. Um, he went on in a way uh, that would imply that God owed him something. God owes us nothing. 
That is why Jesus says the Pharisees prayed to himself. He said, the Pharisees prayed to himself, saying, he mouthed off a litany of the good works like a person self-content to hear all the good things he had to say about himself. <laughs> Our Lord infers then that God was not listening in that time to him. The Pharisee and the tax collector, my friends, are, were not just figures in this parable. Uh, they were real in Jesus' time. And they represent for our time behavior that can be found in people. My friends, uh, when you look at the scriptures and study them, I often wonder why sometimes uh, I look at the kind of folks who get really good PR from Jesus in the scriptures and are singled out for uh, their exemplary behavior, the tax collector, the Samaritan woman, the Roman centurion. These were all people who typically were in opposition of their time uh, to the established religion. Why is it that these folks were singled out uh, for positive comment by Jesus, while those who were careful to observe the Mosaic law, Jesus often criticized? The Pharisee, they publicly committed themselves to perfect the observance of the Mosaic law. They were perceived to be law-abiding citizens and models of religious piety. Jewish folks were required to pray three times a day, 9 a.m., as we understand it, noon, as we understand it, and 3 p.m. They were required to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, 29. The Pharisee, he did 100 times more by fasting on Monday and Thursday of each week. It's, you go into the scriptures, you'll see. Uh, Jewish folks were required to tithe 10% of what they produced. The Pharisees would tithe 10% of everything, even any income he made. So he went above and beyond. The problem was his attitude. In the face of God, his condescension and condemnation of other people. And he seems to put forth that he has earned everything, and therefore God is indebted to him now. His prayer was more of a profession of his good deeds than thanksgiving to God. As a matter of fact, he's not a hypocrite. He did everything that he said. I'd do this, I'd pay tithing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to be very careful when I say he, he wasn't a hypocrite because Jesus often labeled them hypocrites. But he was a liar. Because he said, God, I thank you. His prayer did not thank God. He thanked himself. In that moment, then, he was a liar. He seemed to have more reverence for the Mosaic law than the person who gave that law, God. Thus, the Pharisees proceeded as if he was the sole cause of salvation, that he should earn all inheritance from God the Father. The tax collector, in contrast, and even as I speak, I realize, because there's this bizarre comparison going on, and last night, my homily was different, and I said, don't be comparing yourselves to others. But even as I give the homily, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, dude, hypocrite. <laughs> that was last night. You hypocrite. You. But it's a tricky thing. The tax collector is well aware of his brokenness and his need for God and God's grace. 
In Jesus' time, tax collectors worked for the Roman Empire, and they were considered to be the worst of all sinners. They were considered to be traitors. Their only hope of forgiveness was to resign their position. They had to quit and do something else, even if it meant begging on the street. So this tax collector, all that he could do was throw himself on God's mercy. In his prayer, he dares not even look to heaven, we are told. His prayer was one of heartfelt sorrow. My friends, uh, and this will be for another time, but I want to point out, I know some folks are like, why do you always point out the Greek? Because the Greek has subtle differences. And in the Greek, uh, the prayer, uh, as the parable changes a little bit, and it has this feeling of atonement, where he's asking God to atone for him. It's mind-boggling. I'll probably look more into that, and maybe three years from now, when this reading comes again, I'll talk about that. In humble acknowledgement of his own inadequacies and sins, he asks that his sins be atoned for, and he's asking God to do it. The tax collector was sincere. He was honest with himself before God. He did not wear a mask of respectability. He knew that if God were to accept him, it would be because of God's mercy and not on account of anything that he could have done. In spite of being a sinner, the tax collector felt a deep need for God. In that spiritual emptiness, then, he becomes open to be filled with God's grace. And I'll even go further to say, on that day, he was blessed. Because Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, he left changed. Not the tax, not the Pharisee. Jesus singled out this tax collector for praise because of his humility, because of his approach to the Father. More so his understanding of the need for God and that only from God comes uh, what he deserves and needs. Mercy and justice. In doing so, Jesus teaches us only those who wholeheartedly and humbly turn to God for help, for forgiveness, for everything, will have salvation. At the same time, Jesus dashes the notion that uh, mere knowledge and obedience of the Mosaic law would enable any person to save themselves solely and simply on their own efforts. Because if that were true, Jesus would not have had to come and die on a cross. It's so obvious. And yet, so many Christians continue to ignore that. The lesson to be learned from the tax collector is that he has realized to his core being that he is incapable of meriting God's grace. It is gift. The best he could do was beg. As a people, we often pride ourselves in our country for being so self-sufficient and so resourceful. We frequently need to accept and acknowledge that we take second seat to God in the work of salvation. Salvation is ultimately a gift from God. And while God absolutely wants and expects us to participate with him, with his grace, towards this end, when all is said and done, it is he who saves us. We do not save ourselves.
So when nothing else can come to your mind and heart, simply say what the tax collector said, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 